This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Um, how does your DLT roll against armor? <laughs> uh, pretty good, turns out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, especially when. Yeah. <laughs> Jay just knocked on the camera. Oh, all right. That's pretty good. Uh, Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels. A podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka. With Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David. How are you guys doing? I'm really good. Awesome. I'm doing great. The weather here is awful, but other than that... What do you mean? Uh, There's no snow. Rain is worse than snow when it's 40 degrees. Uh, hard disagree, but sure. <laughs> Ma- mainly, mainly because if it's 40 degrees, you never have snow. So, like, that's just, you know. Yeah, the cold rain, I just, just can't abide by the cold rain. At least my kids can play in snow. Uh, all right. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> apparently it's raining so hard that th- this uh this flight is dropping out of the sky um, yeah <laughs> so we got a lot to talk about today um we're gonna hit uh, a little yavin based team league which we haven't really talked about yet but yeah. david is running um we're going to talk about the new hot ginormous tanks because we got full previews for both of those uh we're gonna finish up our um, talk about the upgrade packs with the clones and the B1s, and then uh, we're going to talk about being patient if we have time for all that. So, um, <laughs> you just have to be patient waiting for our segment talking about being patient. Yeah, right. uh, yeah when, when we were talking about this. I was like, Kyle, we're just going to have an hour long segment that's silent, so people have to wait for uh, us to talk about it, but um, you know. Somehow I don't think that would be a very popular segment. I don't know. We could like do some like Zen yoga music or something. There you go. Notorious Scoundrels, the yoga edition. Right. Meditation edition. Yeah. Um, well let's let's start with uh let's start with Team League. What do you got for us, David? All right. Well, Team League is continuing apace. Uh round one is almost complete. Um we are soon going to have the giveaways for the first round um so i'm going to be doing live on stream we're going to have like a little live drawing to see who gets the prize um for this first round but um i think our for those of you who don't know uh, team league this season is adopting an army restriction policy where we are saying you can only bring three copies of a certain unit in all five of your team's lists and if you're running heroes that are like unique they're uniquely named uh you can only run one per per team essentially so only one player gets to do Sabine. Only one player gets to do, you know, Luke Skywalker. Only one player gets to do Darth Vader, et cetera, et cetera. Um, our streamers and our players haven't quite been connecting as as well as we'd want. But in the games that have been streamed, uh, this policy of army restriction has kind of born, has kind of you know spawned some some really cool games. So for for example, I casted recently a sort of traditional uh, clone list, OB-Rex and six phase ones against a very non-traditional rebel list, which was, I believe, 
um, Jin, Sabine, and R2-D2 with Bistan and Pow in the same game um, uh, on Recover the Supplies, <laughs> which was uh, a really, really cool game featuring some crazy infiltrates. Um, we got to see like Pow completely hold down a flank against two clone units and force uh, the clone player to split their attention. Uh, we saw Sabine like do a, a semi-suicidal explosions that completely worked out in her favor um, and ended up killing Obi-Wan. And I don't think she took a single wound off her own explosions. It was kind of a, a crazy game. So that's on um, the Avon Base Twitch if you want to watch, back, watch that back uh, as a VOD. Um, but I, I do think the army restrictions have been working well. And um, they're producing some some very interesting games, some very unconventional games, um, and they're actually giving a lot of space for the new um, weapon upgrade packs to flourish, uh, because now the uh, number of stormtroopers that you're going to take relative to say shores is going to be increased because you can only take three shores across, you know, however many people want to play Empire in your team. Um, it's also you know creating room for pathfinders because you can only take three sniper strike teams. Uh, it's creating room for crazy lists like uh, triple saboteur tauntauns or something nuts like that. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're looking for in Team League with these army composition restrictions. And um, the next round is is nigh, and there's going to be some uh, new stuff in the mod. We're, fingers crossed. It's I, I have you know I have a line to the people who are developing the the mod, and they're working as hard as they can to get the new stuff in. Uh, for the next round of the team league. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, if you want more information, you can go to yavinbase.blog uh, and check out what the rules are and some of the latest news on what's been going on in the team league. And also there's a link to the standings so you can figure out who uh, who's up and who's down after this first round of team league. So that's kind of what I have for, for team league update. Yeah, I really like that format. I think it's, um, I think that was a great idea to do the unit restrictions get some creativity and i think a team format is perfect for that you know because of how your matchmaking process works and stuff so i think it's super exciting begs the question should normal games be restricted in some fashion i don't know i mean i I think it's i think it's sort of a natural like the team format is a natural way to do it because you have you know it's not like you're saying you can't at all play certain units you're just saying like you know, your team gets like a one meta empire list if you want to think of it that way. And then sure, everyone I guess, has to. Be. I, guess, I guess my question is like, um, maybe you can only take one strike team. Maybe they're like a limited unit, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, we could experiment with going further, right? Because we'll have we're we're doing the three, and you know, we haven't. I think people have sort of naturally picked up on the intent, and mm-hmm. so uh, I think folks are saying, well, if I want to run a list with two strikes, I can like sort of lend my third strike to another list that needs another acti. So people are kind of more actively sharing rather than saying, okay, well, I'm going to try to work, you know, towards the standard competitive meta within this framework. I think people are coming up with new things. And um, there's also another big influence, which is people know what the maps are in advance and they can kind of decide where and when they want to put a certain list rather than having to build like the most globally um, uh, globally viable list, right? Because, you know, tournament terrain normally is random. 
and you don't know what you're going to face. And so you try to build something very global um, that survives on a, on a wide variety of boards. But uh, in Team League, you know what the maps are and you know that you can put, say, a, I, can, I can successfully run Saboteurs because this map is full of great places to hide. Or I can successfully run a gun line because I know this uh, board is more open and I have better places to stand and shoot. Um, but yeah, I think it might be interesting to, to go further with the team limits, um, especially if things get real bad. I mean, strike teams are also one of those units where it's like, they've been pushing, they've been pushing the full teams out for, I mean, since they were introduced, right. They've kind of discouraged it. Cause it's like, what am I actually going to run in this space that is better than a strike team? And oftentimes the answer is really nothing. Yep. You know, maybe one pathfinder, Maybe one Wookiee. Full scouts are kind of a joke. Yeah, um, if, if you're not getting so, entourage targets, you're really you're not getting strikes. Special forces slots, and that's just a fact of life with competitive legion right now. Well, it has been. So maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I think the restrictions are working, and that's really heartening. Um, that's kind of just a, a goal we set out to accomplish, and it was accomplished. And I got to say thanks to everybody that um. I consulted with and people that I talked to and, you know, sort of offered the idea up, Kyle, you're included, Mike, you're included, of course. And um, there's some other, other folks out there. Um, Rob DeMay, for example, was a big advocate of the current um, format, I think, that we were, that we adopted. But uh, thanks to them. And I think it's working out. Yeah, I'm super excited to see where it goes. Me too. Um, all right. So let's hit some news. So uh, <laughs> that was a text message, which hopefully Jay can edit out during that news segment. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Ho- hopefully he can edit out you saying that it was a text message, <laughs> but he can edit it out. And then we're going to be caught in a vicious, circly loop. Right. Welcome to In the News. So uh, we got some tank previews. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm really excited about these. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, they uh, look awesome. Uh, I do have some questions about the logistical design of the AAT, but I'll save it for that section. Um, so we got full previews for both of these bad boys. Um, let's talk about them one at a time. You want to do the, uh, we got the Sabre preview first, so why don't we do that one first? Yeah, let's talk about this bad boy that I'm looking forward to running when it comes out. This is like, yep, this will, I said, I think I've said it a couple of casts ago. This is what will make me switch to clones. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited for some of the stuff in this pack. Um, I mean, do you want to, do you want to do like a stat breakdown or how do you want to get this going? Or do you want to talk about what they showed? Uh, Let's do, let's do the whole shebang. What the, what the, the specs are on the tank, what upgrades we can take. And then what we think, you know, like what our favorite ways to run it slash how we think you should run it. All right, so the, the tank itself, okay, so we got fully armored, right? It's a heavy unit, 170 points, Arsenal 2, um, hover ground, which that's kind of interesting, right? It's sort of like a, it's classed as a repulsor vehicle, but it's a ground vehicle when it's moving because it's kind of low ground. It's like a big old hovercraft kind of. Well, it's treated as a ground vehicle by other units. Oh, by other units, okay. But when it moves, it, it's like a repulsor vehicle. Correct. Interesting, interesting. So this is one. This is like, um, is this the first case of, of the fact that we have a repulsor vehicle that doesn't have speeder one that just ignores the terrain anyway? 
Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. so. Um, it, I mean, so I would have to look up Hover here, but um, I I I think it doesn't just ignore terrain. Um, so I, so we I, didn't actually we don't have an RNG entry on this yet. Did um, did they go over this in the in the stream when they talked about the tanks? I, I don't recall, but the the implication I think here is just that now when people class uh, terrain, when they define it, they're going to have to actually care about what it does to repulsors because now, you know, none of it is yeah none of it's going to be ignored by speeder keywords. So, like, if it's difficult for repulsors, it will actually slow you down. I mean, as based on being ignored. Based on the italicized like reminder text, the only thing that it really suggests is that that's different than a standard ground vehicle is that it's a or standard different than a standard repulsor vehicle is that other units treat it as a ground vehicle and you can strafe. Yeah, you can also reverse, which I don't think we've been able to do with hovercraft before. Yeah, yeah, repulsors yeah. Repulsors for sure. Like normal vehicles can do that, but um yeah. repulsors could not. I mean, it might be best just to wait on the full entry before talking more about it. Yeah. 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 So then um, next it has outmaneuver, which lets you spend dodges to cancel crits, which I love. <laughs> I'm all about that. Um, makes dodge tokens for vehicles not suck. Um, and then it's got weak point rear and sides, which I'm not in love with because it means that 270 degrees of this thing are getting free impact to everything that shoots it, which makes me very sad. Um, doesn't doesn't feel good. I think, um, and it's a huge base, right? So like, it's gonna it's gonna get the weak point sufferance if it tries to get close at all. Essentially, yeah. I think you can manipulate this a little bit, though. Like, if you like, kind of like edge it up against a piece of terrain and then kind of cock it sideways a little bit. Um, oh yeah. But but yeah, generally, like that's like super punishing weak point rear one rear sides, frankly. But, you know, it's also, what, speed 2? And it's got that ginormous base. So it's really fast. This might be, like, as fast as a Tauntaun. Except it's a tank. Sure. Um, I just think, like, snipers are going to eat that side armor for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, that's my fear as well. Yeah, and Pierce is definitely your biggest worry because it does have a red save. Um, And, of course, if you're running aggressive tactics, it's often going to have a red save with Surge. So it's still pretty durable. You can also run it with R2 who can repair four wounds off of it. Yeah, no, this is... Which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah, R2 is just a 35-point upgrade plus four health for this thing. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) You also have the AAT, which is going to be canceling its dodges with the main cannon. So if you're you're in a tank-on-tank battle, I mean, we can talk about that later, but that's a thing too. Yeah, but the AAT doesn't have impact on the main gun. Does it? Oh, that's true. It's, I don't know if it does. It, does it? might as well. Oh, it does have I impact mean, one. Yeah. It has impact yeah. one and critical, I think. Yeah. 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 So there's that. Um, nine health, six resilience. Uh, kind of a different ratio of health to resilience than we've seen. So it means it gets damaged a little more easily. Right? But it has one less. I mean, relatively speaking, but it, it, it damages the same as an occupier, but it has one more health beyond that test, which is kind of nice. And then, of course, um, it can take surges, and it can use this really awesome pilot called the Veteran Clone Pilot, which we should probably talk about. Because that Let's Veteran talk Clone about Pilot it. is just sick. What's he do? Okay, 
The VCP says the VCP. Uh, me, the VCP. We're already abbreviating it, folks. Veteran clone pilot, the VCP. Um, when you or a friendly clone trooper unit at range one and in line of sight attacks or defends, you and that unit can spend each other's aim, dodge, and surge tokens. During the end phase, ready this card, and it is an exhaust upgrade. So I think it's going to be used per attack or per defense. Yeah. Uh, you can give tokens to a unit, or and you can take tokens from a friendly clone trooper. So I think amazing. you're almost amazing. always taking them from... Oh, wait a minute. No. you. It says, well, you or a friendly clone unit at range one and in line of sight attacks or defends. Right. You and that unit can spend each other's aim, dodge, and surge. Yeah, I think yeah. my point is that you're going to want the saber to be spending clone tokens, not clone spending. That's the other way around. Tokens. Yeah, yeah. Relatively speaking, yeah. No, that, that's I mean, I know, like, if you give it link targeting array and it has target one, that's a free aim token to turn. You know, maybe you roll like yeah. a good attack and you don't need it and you can use it later with a clone. But yeah, I think generally speaking, it's going to be clones powering up the saber and not the other way around. Yeah, generally, because I mean, you're trying to. You're investing in the saber to make the saber better, right? You're not investing in the saber to make your other units better more most of the time. But I'm thinking like there's some edge cases where it's like, oh, my saber has a dodge. I could just VCP and then have this unit, you know, um, uh, do something. And by the way, best use of this pilot, if you're going the other way, take a standby on the saber because you can't remove that standby from the saber. Well, actually, I was going to point this out. You can't... This, oh, standby is not defense. one of the things that are, this card says you can share, which oh, begs the question, is this pilot really a veteran clone? Yeah, I, I wonder about that. <laughs> He's got a phase two helmet on. I don't know. Like, did this guy like just not go to clone school and was like, hey guys, sorry... Uh, I'm just like fresh out of the academy or whatever. I didn't get the extra training, so we can't share standbys. Oh, st oh yeah, that's right. You can't spend the standby token. Dry. That would have been really cool if they let you do that for like a uh, defense. It would have been really busted, is what it would. <laughs> yeah. Been. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll stop. I'll stop spreading misinformation and just say you can spend each other's aim, dodge, and surge tokens. So I guess the, I guess the coolest thing you could do maybe is like like you said, put an aim out there, just donate you know whatever token you didn't use this turn. To a friend. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty unlikely that you're going to be... Um, like, you can't have Plo, Plo Koon and the veteran clone pilot on yeah, there unfortunately. at the same time. Um, so I don't think you're generally going to be sharing dodge tokens from the Saber. It's almost always going to be an aim token. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you're doing with, VC, with the veteran clone pilot is vacuuming up aim tokens from Rex who double moved behind you. Yeah. Or something like that. Totally. What is... Uh... What does Plo Koon do? Uh, what does Plo Koon do? So Plo Koon is another pilot. Uh, until the end of your activation phase, you gain Agile 2. That's as a free action. After you perform a standard move, gain two dodge tokens that it exhausts. Nine points. So I guess if you double move, you gain four dodges. Seems good. Seems good. <laughs> uh, especially because you can use those dodges against criticals. Because you have outmaneuver. Yeah, I'm not sure when you want this guy. Um, uh, when you're about to be destroyed, I guess, and you need to move shoot. I don't know. It's tough. Breakthrough. Like, it's, especially if you're running it with R2, like we're going to recommend in a minute. Um, 
I feel like it's kind of a waste of time to shoot a saber anyway. Yeah. I know that it needs more defensive buffs. Yeah, I'm I'm not seeing it. I, I like the idea though. I like the idea of a Plo Koon tank on breakthrough just like dumping a whole bunch of dodges on itself and saying, try to kill me. Yeah. So the the issue I have with um this upgrade generally is I, I you need the tank to be a murder machine, I think, if you're gonna take it. And this doesn't help it be a murder machine. Yeah, like if you're gonna pay, you know, 170 plus to 200 points for one piece of equipment, you need that piece of equipment to be crushing things. Yeah. With it, yeah, it needs to, it needs to do the damage. Otherwise, it's not worth taking. You might as well take uh, two clone units instead. Yep. Which is, you know, it's 170 base. So, you know, what, two two phase 1z6s is, you know, 154. Right. So. You're already strapped for points, you know. Definitely. Now, now the third pilot, the third pilot, my my favorite, I think, out of all of these, though it's kind of hard to beat the veteran clone pilot, Isla Sakura. Uh, you gain Inspire 2 and Field Commander, which says after a friendly neutral command card is played, you can be nominated as a commander. Um, Inspire 2, uh, I'm sold already. The ability <laughs> to play neutrals off a different post is also insanely good. And you only have to pay five points for it, and it doesn't exhaust. It's always on. Like that's crazy good in an army that lacks inspire. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like one of two ways. No, sorry, one of three ways to get inspire as a clone. You've got Rex's command card. You've got hope, and now we have this, right? Right. So you have Rex's CC, which is a really good CC because it's you know big orders and and surges. And then you got hope, which you probably don't take on Obi because he only has two four slots. Yep. And then you have this, and this is like, oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> it's a really good card, especially if yeah. you combine it with strict orders on Rex or something. Like this is just a question of do I have the extra five points to spend once you tool out your army? I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just seems so useful. You know, and and if you're taking Rex alone, like does he only does he have two commands? I don't think he does. So if you have to choose, if you have to choose, like you're going to take AT and then take Isla for the Inspire, right? I don't remember if Rex has two commands or not. Rex only has one. Yeah, so you're going to take AT on Rex if he's your solo commander. I, I really can't see running him without it because, especially because of the three pip. Yeah, I mean, right now people I think are running AT on. Obi and Strict on Rex. <clears throat> and they're running them in the same army, so it's kind of like... Whatever. Right, so now, now you actually have a, a something you can bring that isn't Obi. Yeah, that, that is going to do a lot of damage. Might be backwards, but um, yeah, I mean, Inspire 2 is really good. Clones clones need more of this. Yeah, they need more of that. I'm, I'm really hoping, and I don't know if they're going to do it, but I really hope they give us something that we can use to model... Um, you know, these extra cards inside the or inside the turret of the tank. I mean, that would be really cool if they did. I don't know if they're going to do it. So I have to work on work on some conversions there. But yeah, I'm I'm holding out for that. But me too. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I hope it's just like a nice surprise when we open the package and it's like, oh, my gosh, that's so amazing. Yeah. Um, so you want to talk about the hard points? Yeah. OK, so 
the uh, the one that's giving all the X-wing players nightmares because it shares a name with a notorious upgrade from that game, uh, twin laser turret. <laughs> um, so it's a one to three gun, uh, three black critical one. Uh, so it's kind of like the twin light cannon from the ATST, except it adds another point of critical. Yeah, which is nice. Statistically, it's basically the same, I think, ish. It's very close to the twin line. Do Do you know Kyle? I, I have no clue. <laughs> uh, triple black should be roughly equivalent to red, black, white, because the red and the white average out to be a black. Oh, oh, black. yeah. Okay, derp. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's not completely identical, but it's very similar to rainbow. So yeah. another another point of critical on a on a vehicle that lacks surge is also really nice. Yeah. And it's fairly economical, you know, 18 or sorry, 14. That's actually very economical. Yeah. I mean, the, the cheap version of the saber is definitely 184 points, um, which is still not cheap. Um, but I do think it's probably effective with just this upgrade. If you kind of want to go for a lighter build, um, maybe the link targeting array. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's in link targeting. Yeah. That that's pretty, pretty nice. You get the you get the what? You still get the nine dice pool. You get the aim. You got critical two to make up for your lack of surge. You're, I, you're not doing too bad against most things. Yeah, I think you're taking the twin laser cannon if you want the tank to be a support piece as opposed to a focal piece. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. But if you want the full saber experience, um, yeah, you, you want to take the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this other this thing is has a lot of text. Um and I really like to see a rules entry for this at some point. Um uh this is the TX130 beam cannon turret. Range one to four, two red, beam two. After performing an attack with this weapon, you may perform up to two extra attacks using only this weapon. Each attack must be against an enemy unit that is in line of sight, has not already defended. And is it range one of the previous defender? Uh, 30 points, rather expensive, um, but still pretty unique effect there of getting like a bouncing attack. It's like one of the first indirect fire weapons, I think, that exist in the game other than mines. Uh, yes. By that, do you mean hitting multiple targets? Yeah, hitting, well, yeah, in, yeah. In, well, hitting something without targeting it specifically is what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like it's like things are near, so you incidentally take damage from being shot by this beam because you're next to something that got shot. Yeah, it's I I see I feel like we need to see the rules at reference center uh, entry on this. It's not clear if it still needs to be in range of the tank in order to make those attacks. It just right. specifies that it needs to be range one of the previous defender. Um, so, and I assume cover is still determined from the position of the tank like this doesn't say anything about how cover is done yeah um it's so we've also had conflicting reports at this point i think um luke had said on the uh twitch live stream that this these attacks were not fire supportable but i asked alex at lvo and he said they were Mm. so we're Mm. gonna have to get some clarification there i think yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Man, interesting. Those attacks right? are fire supportable. <laughs> That's pretty funny if they are. Uh, funny as well. Be real good. I mean, so if they are fire supportable, 
you're basically going with like half of your army in one activation. Yeah, that's like, my problem. There's, there's a it. real cost to that. Yeah, but you're you, possibly wiping like three units at once. Guys, I got it. I got it. Okay. Rex one pip HQ uplink. How are you getting HQ uplinks? You put it on. You, have it, you put it on the tank. Well, but you. No, when uh, Rex fire supports, doesn't pull the token down. Yeah, so every time every time you beam something, Rex fire supports the beam. So that means you spawned like what? Uh, the beam hits initial target fire support, then two more. So that's like nine red that you create off of Rex's yeah. one pip. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, no, that's certainly not bad. Especially with the I saber get, keyword behind it. That's dope. Yeah. I'm digging Assuming that. it's fire supportable. It's unclear if that's... Assuming, yeah, assuming Rex can fire support it because he doesn't flip down, which yeah, is how Alex, this... Alex seemed pretty adamant about it, but we'll see. Yeah, if, if he can do that, like, I'm I'm going to try to pull that off when I, whenever I get it on the table. <laughs> that just sounds like a, a boatload of fun, even if it's probably not the most efficient way to run it. I mean, that combo of beam turret and uplink costs 40. That's a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot. It's a 210-point tank. Yeah. Before pilot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if like you just do this with Rex's 3-pip with a bunch of phase 1s, that still seems pretty good. That could also be pretty good, yeah. I mean, it's, it's also like, it's about the swings you can cause, right? Because fire support does take that risk of I'm spending my activations yeah. uh, out of sequence. But if you can kill off the best things in your enemy's army in a single like instance, it's like, okay, great. You brought 13 activations, but I killed the six good ones. So, you know, I win. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of hope it is fire supportable because this feels like a like a clone trick that they kind of use to get to, that they leverage against higher activation count lists. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm not opposed to that. It's, beam it's Rex good. droids. Hmm? Yes, it does. Beam Rex droids. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's like, true. you're free damage just for playing your faction. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the card art on this is perfect for that. It's literally like a bunch of B1s getting fried in, in, a, in a line by the beam. Yeah, it's totally yeah. thematic. All right, uh, let's. You want to talk about shells? Sure. Actually, let's talk or, about or do we want to wait until we talk about the AAT and then we can talk about all three shells at once? Yeah, that's actually better. We should go okay. to the AAT because they they both can run the the shells that are added because they all have a shell yeah. slot. I also think the shells are probably more applicable for the AAT. So okay. likely, <clears throat> Saber is going to be running the cannons. Yeah. So the the AAT does not. Ha so let's talk about this bad boy. Um, I love this model. It's one of the most iconic like vehicles in Star Wars and certainly from the Clone Wars era. Um, I'm not entirely sure why the missile ports are on the bottom. It seems like if you were sort of like in your lines, you would you would hit your own dudes launching missiles from ground level straight out. But uh, <laughs> anyway, B ones are expendable, dude. That's true. You know, yeah. But but then you lose the missile, which is probably more expensive than the B one. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, model aside, uh, so this is a little slower than the Saber. It's only speed one, but that's still pretty darn fast because of how freaking huge this base is. Um, it's got the same durability, uh, nine health, six, um, 
whatever that's called. Resilience. Resilience. Yeah, that's it. Um, red dice. No surges. Um, it does have AI attack, but if you're running this thing, I can't imagine you're ever having it without a face-up, especially if you give it link targeting array. Maybe uh, like maybe like on your one pip turns, you know, if you're obviously you're running it with Grievous or Dooku because you don't have a choice. So AI attack is also not bad on this thing. Yeah, because it has generally. it has uh, barrage, which is a new keyword, which is essentially reptilian rampage. Um, you can attack yeah. twice. The second attack is not free, so you do need to use both actions to do that. But even still. Um, it's you can't use it with arsenal, so I assume you'd probably do this with your main gun, which is four reds. So it's it's a double tap of four reds. Um, it's maximum firepower. Yeah, because it's critical too. Right, and it's range four, so um, it's pretty good, <laughs> and it's high velocity. Yeah, so it's like a Jedi assassinator, and tauntauns, and tauntaun assassinator. Yeah. Oh, you can also pair this with Lockdur to get an extra reptilian rampagey type effect, which we can talk about. When we get to the pilots, um, it does have arsenal too. <laughs> yeah, I love the art on that Lockdown one. Um, yeah. It's got armor, you know, because it's a tank. Um, it has hover ground, just like the saber, and it has the the weak point is only the rear, but it's weak point too. So if you get behind this thing, um, it's gonna hurt the thing. <laughs> weak point too. Have we? I don't even see it. Think we've seen weak point too before yeah it's i don't think any vehicles yeah it's the first vehicle with weak point two yeah so it's gonna hurt if they can get behind you but i think this is probably still less of an issue than the saber just because weak point sides i think it's far more easy uh, oh yeah to set up than weak point rear if the occupier is yeah. any proof yep um yeah. it's got a uh lateral anti-personnel lasers which is just short range range one to two three black fixed front and then it has the main gun which is four reds two to four critical two impact one high velocity so it's a pretty spicy main gun it's not you know it's not six dice like the saber and the atst main gun but it's four good dice and it's got high velocity um so it's pretty good it's got a little crit output yeah um let's talk about the shells because this thing actually does not have a hard point upgrade um oh nope it does have it does have two shell upgrades. So there are three. Um, what's the official name for this slot? Ordnance. Yeah, thing? I think that's the official name. Uh, so there are three things in the ordnance slot. Um, the first one is armor piercing shells, which is ten points. Uh, fixed front impact three, red black black, and it's exhaustible. Range two to three. Thanks. So, uh, on either the saber or the or the AAT, this thing is going to hurt if you shoot an armored vehicle with it. Just when ATRTs were coming back into the meta, yeah, right. <laughs> like this thing shows up and kind of just laughs. About, if you put if you do this with the saber, um, I don't think you need to because the beam turret's so good. But if you're doing this shell, the armor piercing shell with the saber, you're talking about impact five, critical one, with. Ugh. Nine dice. I mean, we're talking about like the difference between like an M1 Abrams and like a dude walking around around on stilts. Like, of course, it's going to get blown away. Yeah, of course, right? of course. <laughs> yeah, these are these are these are main <laughs> battle tanks. They're like actually the heaviest vehicle 
introduced in the game. And you were talking classic sure. vehicle, right? Yeah. So the occupier is actually an it's called a tank, it's actually an APC, you know. So these things should be yeah. really killy. Yeah, you can legitimately one shot an ATRT. Yeah. Like that's that's not even a possibility. I'd say that if you shoot if you were to shoot armor piercing shells with a saber at an ATRT, that would be like a reasonable expectation that you would yeah. just one shot it. To just one shot kill it. Um so probably overkill on the saber. Uh, kind of interesting on the AAT because it only has impact one on the main gun. So this would give you impact four with seven dice, seven good dice. Um, yeah, pretty kind of makes up for a, a weakness in that slot, I think. Um, then you have the bunker buster shells. Oh, I'm sorry that the the shells, all three of these shells, also have cycle. Yeah, that's new. Which is a new keyword. But uh, it says at the end of your activation, if you did not use this card, ready it. So so basically, if you only use it three turns game, you get to refresh it for free every time. Yeah, and I think I think this is another reason that these shells work better with the AAT than they do with the Saber, just because the AAT has barrage. So you can, in theory, like alternate you know, barrage one turn and then do shells and main gun next turn and then kind of alternate it like that. Yeah, you just move on your shell's turn right. and barrage on the other turn. Or aim or something. Yeah. Um, or refresh lockered. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's black, white, white, white. So four dice. Uh, 12 points blast. So obviously that's very strong against units in cover. Short range, it's range one to two. Um, it does also have scatter, which is the same thing that Vader's ranged attack has and Dooku's ranged attack has. Uh, Operative Vader. So that's pretty good. I mean, you're going to wreck some trooper units with this. If you can get there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like... Necessary for what you're paying. If, if it's at range two, I think I would rather just have the red dice anyways. Um, well, and if you can't if you can't set up barrage, the main gun on the or the, that secondary gun on the AAT is three black range too, so that's still decent you know, yeah. for free. I don't know. Um, okay. So the last one of these, I think, is the most interesting on um, the AAT, and that's the high energy shells. So this is eight points, uh, red, red, white, range two to four, critical one, high velocity. I don't understand how this is the cheapest one. Yeah, it seems um, to be really good. <laughs> I think it's the best yeah. by a lot. Um, Gives you it certainly works the best with the main guns of both tanks because of the range four. Six red and a white. Yeah, yeah. wow. It definitely it so it definitely synergizes very well with the guns. Generally speaking, I think the other two are very scenario specific. Um, like you either are using it against armor or you're using it against like infantry that's like close up in your grill. Um, this just seems like it's always good. Yeah. This is certainly the most versatile of them. Would this actually yeah. replace the twin laser cannon from the saber? Um, I mean, I could see it. I mean, I think uh, it's hit wise a little bit better than the twin laser. The issue is that you only get it for half your turns unless you're taking recovery yeah, actions. It's a range, the range four is what's really sticking in my craw a little bit about it just because, you know, if I can stay back with my huge weak point base, I'd, I'd much rather do that. 
if yeah. I can project forwards. I mean, to, to me, the thing that is kind of like not uh, clear on the surface is like this has high velocity and the AAT's main gun also has high velocity. So if you fire them together, you do not lose the keyword. Yeah, that's a biggie. Like that six red and one white high velocity is like, uh, yeah. So sorry, Jedi dude, but that's ouch time for you. And Tauntauns too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so this is the largest by far, the largest attack pool with high velocity. Um, you know, previously the only things with high velocity are sniper rifles with two dice. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not even particularly close. Um, yeah, you're gonna hurt. Like you shoot any force user or um, tauntauns with this thing. Anything that relies on dodges, it's gonna hurt real bad. Um, yeah, don't, yeah, uh, it's good. Don't take those rebel troopers off the shelf. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, nice knowing you, nimble. Like seriously, yeah. I feel bad, yeah. man. Like, like if you if you're a rebel player and you're like operative Luke or Sabine, get caught out by one of these things, you are gonna feel pretty, pretty silly. Yeah, it's gonna hurt a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. Let's talk about the pilot upgrades. So you got um, the tier series tactical droid. Uh, you lose AI attack. That's kind of whatever. You're gonna have an order on this thing, probably five out of six turns anyway. Yeah. Um, you gain field commander. That's okay, I guess. I don't know. I like the other two pilots a lot better. Yeah, this seems kind of. Mm. Yeah. Put it in your binder and leave it there. Yeah. Sorry, Cardi. Um, OOM series droid pilot. You gain coordinate droid trooper. So that's pretty good. Uh, you know, it gives you a little more flex. Maybe you have to take don't have to take as many uplinks on your B ones. Um, yeah, like if you're can, gonna give orders to this thing anyway, right? Like, yeah, you might as well start your B one chain with it. Yeah, it saves you. It yeah. saves you some, uh, some time. Just to yeah, have the, give it, give it, give it link targeting array. Start your chain with the tank, and you're good. Yeah, you're just good to go. Yep. Um, and then the third one is Lockjerd who is unique. Uh, I love the art on this. Yeah. It's basically, so I don't know if you guys have seen the episode with Lock Dirt in it from the Clone Wars TV show. It's, it's, it's funny. It's really it is good. funny, yeah. He's like this like pseudo-maniacal Neumoidian um, who invents like this weapon that is some kind of napalm, basically. He's basically a genocidal Nazi that's like mad scientist, yeah. dude. Is what he yeah, which is what he looks like George in this picture. He's doing. He's doing like this. He's sitting at the the cockpit of this tank that's firing lots of red lasers, and he's kind of like steepling his fingers, like in that villain way. Oh yeah. He's got this ludicrous smile on his face. It's fabulous. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so it does exhaust. Uh, you lose AI attack, uh, which is useful. You know, once a game. Um, and then uh, until the end of your activation, each of your weapon gains suppressive. So it's pretty good. Especially with the barrage, I I wish it was not exhaustible. Like I I don't know. I w- I would have paid an extra five to ten points. I think for this to not be exhaustible. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I think you can kind of get in a little bit of a rhythm if you if you give them you know lockered and then the high energy shells, where you basically like barrage one turn. You know, tap him, 
for the double tap suppression and then the next turn you recover him and fire with your main gun and your he shells um and then three basically three turns of the game you're getting reptilian rampage yeah it's okay i can see, I can see <laughs> that kind of alternating i mean, I mean yeah. I just like you're the recover. I'm all about value, so it's like paining me greatly. But like the recover action isn't actually refreshing the shells because they're refreshing anyways. No, you're just refreshing so, Lockdurd. Right. So you're taking a recover action just to get suppressive every turn or every other turn? I don't know. Um, if they get like a free like Imperial Discipline card, I think this gets a lot better. Yeah. Um, Agree. But I think a recover action is like very costly if you can just attack, attack every turn. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so it depends on how you look at it, right? Because if you're able to barrage every turn, that's two suppression a turn. Yeah. If you're barraging every other turn and using him, that's four suppression on one turn and then one suppression on the other turn. So basically, this is like an extra three suppression over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's definitely not a must-take. It's also worth noting that you lose three attacks for those three suppression attacks. Right. Although if you're using shells, then you're gaining those dice back in another way. But yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, I think there's basically two ways, and we can we can talk about ways to run the saber now too. Um, there's basically two ways to run this thing. I think the first is just naked with a link targeting array for 175. Yeah, I mean, the main gun is definitely good yeah. enough. That's my favorite way, personally. Uh, and then I think the other way is with um, with Lockdurd and with the high-energy shells and Link Targeting Array, which is uh, 192. Yeah, still pretty good. Cheaper than Dooku. Yeah. Yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> cheaper than Dooku. <laughs> Dooku's real good, though. I know. Uh, he, he is real good, but I'm not sure he's... I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this thing doesn't come with any command cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, the limited activations that Dooku has right now is really holding them. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Uh, how how would you guys run the saber? What's your favorite way to run the saber? I'm torn. I'm running beam cannon all day long. I, I have to see if that's and... more valuable than twin laser and the HE shell together. Yeah, beam cannon fire support. Uh, I also think you, if you're taking it, you pretty much are always taking R two. It's not close. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. I I have to really do some. I, I don't know, man. Like, so VCP is really cool because it protects the value of the investment. You know, veteran clone pilot. Yeah, veteran clone pilot. Sorry, I keep saying VCP. Um, it's really cool because it protects the value of the investment. But um, Isla Sakura protects values of the value of your other investments but she requires a very specific timing um veteran clone pilot is a lot more flexible i think i don't hate not taking a pilot on the uh yeah there's like a there's some cheapo build like lta and high energy maybe i mean i i don't know like none of the the saber pilots really speak to me like they're all fine but I don't know. I think if you got the points, you know, I always what five points for Inspire Two. 
Yeah. That's that's yeah, a thing that phones don't have good access to right yeah. now. Um, I think it's one of the first things you spend five points on if you have extra in your yeah, list. Yeah, it might totally. It, I just I have not built a clone list where I've had it. Might matter yeah. less when phase twos come because phase twos are courage two, so you know they're more resistant to suppression just naturally. Um, plus, you know, veteran clone pilot, you can spend the phase two surges they get from reliable. So there's some there's arguments for both, I think. But there's certainly yeah. also an argument for running link targeting array and and high energy shells to get like the, you know, nine dice range four shot with an aim. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you run high energy shell LTA v- veteran clone pilot and have Rex like walk behind it twice, and then spend your veteran clone and triple yeah. aim your big your big shot. I definitely think Rex is a is the most likely like combo share token. Um, definitely. Definitely. Target. I don't know, have to try it, man. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it holds up. I'm also interested in if there's like a cheap build and running the two of them at some point. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I know that's kind of funny, but Rex is cheap enough. You know, he's 90 points. So it's possible. He's pretty cheap. It may not be good. I don't think there's a way to do that. It may not be good, but it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely possible. All right. We've, we've talked a lot about tanks. Should we move on to Legion 101? Sure. Let's do it. It's time for Legion 101. Class is in session. So we're going to talk about patience today, which is... <laughs> we've had to exercise <laughs> a lot of that uh, because of the release schedule. We have um, important Jedi skill, also an important Legion skill. Uh, this topic was Jay's suggestion um, <laughs> because of a couple of games that we played on Friday. Kyle's sitting here because he won, just by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was some, there was some crazy dice. A tank died prematurely. Uh, I won't get into it, but. Um, <laughs> The tank was not mine. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the video right now. Yeah, I wish you uh, could too. <laughs> anyway, um, patience is a super important skill in Legion. Because uh, units are really important, and preserving those units is also very important. Um, so... How do you guys generally, we've talked about like in the past about how to sort of approach a Legion game from a high level strategic perspective. Maybe a good way to like enter into this topic is to just talk about that first. So I usually think about, I'm getting the eyebrow from Mike. Uh, (laughs) I usually think about the first like two to three turns as kind of just poking turns where it's all about just positioning and kind of feeling out my opponent and maybe trying to, you know, not even like kill an activation. Cause I think that's not a reasonable expectation. Um, but to just pick some minis up off the table without putting your own units in too much of an exposed position. Um, certainly there are situations where you can like make aggressive plays if presented with them and remove some activations 
during that time period, but I sort of think about like the first two to three turns is just like a dance, if you will, where you're just kind of taking chip shots. What do you guys think? Uh, we play yeah. very different. We play very <laughs> my my main game plan in the first three turns of a game is to set up a kill shot. Um, and what I mean by that is set up a no win situation for my opponent where I stick a lightsaber somewhere awesome and things just start dying and they can't do anything about it. Or um, a bounty hunter. Or a bounty hunter or whatever. You know, um, uh, they're definitely like, there's games where you have to play the style that I, I think fundamentally you need to recognize at the beginning of the game what style you believe is going to be more applicable. Um, I definitely spend a lot of the opening turns and deployment trying to set something up where I can um, kill an activation or two as quickly as possible. But you're also not going to like recklessly expose your own units to do that, usually. Generally, no. Um, no, I don't, I don't see the... The Luke Rage, or I'm not, is that what yeah, you yeah. call it? Luke the Luke Rage. Rage. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I definitely, I tend to play Reptilian Rampage early and often. Yeah. I mean, I'll do that if the opportunity presents itself, but. Yeah. Um, perhaps. Yeah, I have a very. <laughs> sorry, perhaps on turn one, when your opponent has left his snipers <laughs> visible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if they do that, that jeez, just ugh, what are they doing here get them out of here anyway <laughs> yeah sorry you're 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 making a point kyle and i had to cut in there oh no it's fine i i think i think being aggressive early is fine if you do it with a with a specific purpose in a way that you're also protecting your own units um yeah i think I think sort of patience is one of like the skills that can really take you to the next level. That's the thing I noticed that most people could really improve upon is you, you just kind of, I see a lot of players that just kind of want to make something happen. So they start moving units up towards the objective. Um, and measuring is super important here too. Like if you know your opponents, your, your opposing units threat ranges, um, like even if, at least for me, even if my opponent moves just like one unit into range of, of most of my guys, uh, I will just be content to, for an entire turn, sit there and take even like suboptimal shots on that one unit that's kind of sticking out sure. um, and just chip away at it without exposing my own and just spend an entire turn doing that, um, even if I don't like reasonably expect to fully kill it. I'd like to set the scene for just a second. Um, this conversation fully expects the game to go six turns. Um, oh, yeah. I just I just want to be very clear about that because um, in if I'm playing against somebody that I've never met before, um, I am far more apt to play aggressively just due to time constraints. Yeah, and we already have talked about time issues previously, um, but that's one of the reasons yeah. I'm a little biased because this is my play style. But that's one of the reasons that like I mean th this game was designed to be played for six turns, and I think like part of me is that the, the variable. You know, if you if you're gonna play four turns, you should just see the degree at the start of the game that you're gonna play four turns. Like not knowing whether you're gonna get three or four or five or six turns when the game starts is just terribly vexing to me. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, want to yeah, get yeah. too far down this rabbit hole. I just wanted to kind of address yep. that up front because um, I do think that uh, while having like the style you have is very valid, but if you're in a, it's, there are some situations where it can really bite you. Sure. But totally. Um, if, if you're like, oh, I'm going to kind of play this waiting game and then the game ends on turn four and you're like, oh, but I didn't do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. This this style of play definitely assumes a six turn game. Uh, I I disagree. Um, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, with, with what? Uh, part? Just <laughs> okay. You know that there's no guarantee of six turns. Okay, that's just how the game is. And as vexing to you as that may be, you can use your eyeballs to look at the clock and take a, an estimated guess. Or like take the educated guess at how long you have left, and then develop, That's and then develop two game. game plans. Okay, that say assuming six turns, assuming five turns, and then you just need to make the choice, and you can just look at the clock. You don't have to look at the board while your opponent's moving. You just look at the clock, and you're like, okay, can I do these moves in in, in two seconds or not? I just think we have the ability to to navigate this space despite how vexing it is that we're not going to get six turns um i'm not someone who has ever played with that expectation and i come from x-wing where uh you're grateful if you got seven turns so uh just deal with it (laughs) it's all i'm gonna say just deal with it (laughs) everybody get ready ready fight because i do the same thing i play that defensive style I play the style, but I yeah. I freaking make sure that I have that my shit is done by turn two. Pardon the expression, but like you need to get that stuff done so that you don't have to worry about it. Like it's already set up. No, yeah, I do that too. I know. Um, I'm not saying you don't. Like I get on my if you're playing VAPS, I get on my VAPS as early yeah, as possible. Yeah. If you're if you're playing VAPS, but that's not a that's not always right. possible. And B, like at least for me, the difference between planning for five turns and planning for six turns starts in deployment. Mm. Like I don't, you know, ideally, at least in my brain, like if, if you're to your point where you're on turn four and you're like, Oh crap, this game's only going to go to five instead of turn six. Like there's some move that you could have made better in deployment to plan for that eventuality, at least in my opinion. Um, does it really scratch? Anyway, I don't, I don't want to get too no, far. No, I don't want to. No, this is far. good. This is actually good because this is what people tune in to listen to. So don't you don't don't walk away. Um, this is what people want to hear. <laughs> well, so, let, me, let me ask. You, yeah, let me ask you this, David. Are you advocating for a strategy yes. that is more flexible yes. as opposed? To- yeah. No, please. I agree, Kyle. Like, I I don't think that far. I think like okay, I need to do T zero, and I need to figure out when the big to do is going to kick off. And, you know, can I get, can I get a leg up before the big battle? Cause there's going to be a battle, like a fight will happen for the objective. It just is true. Um, and I have to figure out, you know, how all the way, how all my stuff's going to hook up. Now, I guess maybe I could have fine tuned it all the way back in turn zero, but I really think that the game is a little bit more random than we'd like it to be. And things can happen that all to fundamentally alter your plan. And I just think you do have to be a little bit more open and say, like, okay, I can't like, I don't think I exist in a world where I can completely pre-plan my game from zero to six 
and say, this is how I want it to go. I just don't think that's possible. I think you have to be open to different things occurring and for randomness to potentially break away from you. Oh, no question. Yeah. Um, and you should always be flexible in your plan. Sure. But I think, I think at least for me, when we're talking specifically about patients, mm-hmm. sorry, and about wandered away. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like waiting, waiting for your opponent to make the first mistake, you know, uh, at least <laughs> just like, come, come out and again. fight me. Joust me like a man. Um, I I think regardless of what turn you're on, like obviously if you're in the late turns, you need to make sure. So part of patience is assessing the status quo and whether that status quo is acceptable to you. Um, We we had an episode a long time ago now, which is a good episode on this topic about talking about like the beat down versus the control Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out which one of those things you are. And essentially the short version of that, if you want the long version, please go listen to the episode. But um, the beatdown is the person that needs to be aggressive and the control is the one that, um, you know, kind of has uh, the upper hand, at least as things currently stand. And the, the, the token example of this is, is moisture evaporators. In moisture evaporators, depending on what deployment you have, uh, it's not uncommon for each player to have like two safe evaporators where you can kind of like safely repair or sabotage, you know, essentially interact with each of those twice and score full points on each of your two home evaporators. Um, and if that happens and nobody kills anything, blue player wins because the victory points are tied. Blue player wins point ties, um, including point ties to zero zero. So, um, you know, in a game of moisture evaporators, the red player starts as the beatdown and the blue player starts as the control essentially. So recognizing which one of those you are is important because if you're a red player on evaporators doing what I'm talking about, which is essentially waiting for your opponent to make a mistake is not going to work because your opponents, you know, if, if they're, if they're playing uh, perfectly, um, they're probably just going to sit there and dodge standby. <laughs> okay. Right. Like it's, it's on you to make something happen in that situation. Um, I've done that before. It's not an enjoyable no. game. Um, now, if the beatdown player recognizes the position they're in and they start trying to make things happen, then it becomes like I've had some of my most fun games on evaporators as both red and blue. Because I remember a very notable <laughs> one. Bean died. Yes, I recall this one as well. Uh, that was one of the most fun games I've ever had. Because <laughs> because when you're like, you know, the swings, the the beatdown control shift happens constantly in a game like that with VAPS, because every time you eliminate an activation, it swings back. You know, uh, I think in that game, like we were each attacker and defender essentially multiple times over the course of that game. Um, and that's super interesting. But anyway, going back to patience, it does require you to, to basically be the control player and to recognize that you're the control player. If you're the beatdown player, if you're the one that needs to make something happen, you can't just sit around waiting for your opponent to make a mistake. Yeah, set up a kill shot, yeah. man. And this is why this is also why blue player is important because, um, besides just the one case of evaporators, generally speaking, blue player allows you to tailor your deck. Right, it gives you three vetoes before the game starts. And um, once vital assets come out, it's going to be like twelve, <laughs> something silly like that. Nine, many vetoes. Um, 
So you can, yeah, so you can tailor what objectives are in your deck. And now that we have R2 in the game, you're also talking about a situation where, uh, depending on deployment, like you could actually be the control player on Vaporators because you have a way to score an extra victory point. Um, and you could easily win a game 5-4 on Vaporators. If your opponent does nothing, you just kind of nudge R2 into their deployment zone somewhere. So, um, you know, R2 changes that dynamic. I think Vital Assets is probably going to change that. Um, but generally speaking, Blue Player gives you more control over the battle and therefore makes it more likely that you're going to be the control player and you're going to be able to use this kind of strategy, generally speaking. Um, the other reason that patience is important is, is just because when we're talking about eliminating units, um, you know, that tends to snowball, right? Like, um, the way I look at a game is if I can pick off an activation at some point, usually by being patient and waiting for my opponent to move one up, um, then I can kind of parlay that into a steadily accumulating advantage. And even though it may not seem like my opponent is doing that poorly on, you know, turns one through three, suddenly it's turn four and I've made an aggressive push and eliminated like five, five activations in one turn and the game is basically over. Um, you know, it's all about, at least for me, you know, chip shotting and picking and setting up positioning such that once your opponent does make a mistake, you can kind of like dive through that hole with as much force and violence as possible. Um, and what is that face you're making? And this is I want to dive through that hole with as much force and violence as possible. Like, whoa. I, like, calm down. I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, this is, this is, why, death, this is why Palpatine appeals to me. Well, <laughs> a little, a little hyperbole there, but this is why Palpatine, Palpatine appeals to me, um, his playstyle because Palpatine is all about punishing mistakes, and like no one punishes mistakes. Maybe Dooku does, but few people, few builds punish mistakes more than Palpatine does. Um, so yeah, that's fair. Maybe that's why he appeals to me most. But yeah, that's when we're talking about patience. That's essentially what we're talking about is. You know, setting up, setting up a situation where your opponent makes a mistake and you're in a good position to capitalize on it as much as possible. Right. You're, you're trying to sort of, um, well, I don't know. It's not really stalling because it has a purpose. It's more just like um, you try to make as many, you know, you try to give up as little as possible positionally, right, while doing damage. That's fundamentally yeah. the concept we're talking yep. about. And not overplaying your advantages because you'll end up, you know, biting off more than you can chew sometimes. I I think it's very notable right now that um, it's very hard to play patiently as rebels at the moment Um, or as Mm -hmm. Republic. uh, So hear me out here. At least in the rebel Imperial dichotomy, it is much easier to play safely as Imperials kind of sitting back on your toes and firing shore shots and firing sniper rifle shots and mortar shots in an extra range. Like range band helps this play style. Immensely. It does. Yeah. Because when, if you can set up situations where you can interact with your opponent's units and they can't do the same back, then that's going to benefit this kind of style. Yeah. Um, the DLT on the rebel troopers may change that. We've yet to really see that out in the wild. Um, I don't think it'll change it a ton, but I actually think it changes it quite a bit more against the Empire matchup. 
um, uh, so having now um, recently used DLTs in the wild, um, I feel a lot better with the sort of like, uh, you know, my invader list was Jedi Luke gun line, basically. Um, the variation of that that includes DLTs instead of Z6s, I feel a lot more comfortable with that list against a Empire Shoreline than I do against Tauntauns, personally. That's fair. Because Empire yeah. Shore. Um, how does your DLT roll against armor? <laughs> uh, pretty good, turns out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, especially when. Yeah. <laughs> Jay just knocked over the camera. Oh, all right. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, uh, I, there were some surges in there, Jay. It's got a critical one. Yo, man, uh, I just. <laughs> Uh, anyway um yeah i like the dlt it's yet to be seen whether you can build a rebel gun line that's effective against tauntauns like i think we basically said this last week i think the rebel dlt is good in a world where taking heavy weapons on rebel troopers is a good idea and i'm not sure that that's the world we live in right now Still not a good um, idea but i think it's got a better shot at the z6 it's just not than the z6 Four copies of a twenty. Four copies of the twenty A is a is a tauntaun without playing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry. I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna keep measuring the world by, by this. Well, no. I, also, I mean, I, I, th- I think if an empire player saw you set up across them with four DLTs, they'd be grateful. They're like, oh man, uh, I love this rebel player who thinks his five wounds on white saves is actually gonna survive against my triple aimed T21. Yeah, I mean, I think Thanks, dude. like you set up like that across from the Empire player. The thought that's going through the Empire player is, oh, great, we're going to get to play the game I wanted to play after all. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, he doesn't have Tauntauns. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, the, the like tauntaun, to be absolutely cynical about it. The Tauntaun game versus short game is kind of a coin flip, right? It's whether the Tauntauns make it there intact or not. If they make it there intact, yeah. a lot of times the game is just over. Yeah. Yeah. So just sit there patiently with your standby tokens and wait for the rebel snipers to remove them. <laughs> yeah, I don't find the Tauntaun versus Empire gunline dynamic to be very fun or interesting um, right now. But anyway, that's a whole nother discussion topic. Um, yeah. Why don't we Why don't we move on to the the clone and droid upgrade packs? Because we said we would talk about those. Let's 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 hit highlights though. Um, and particularly the droid pack, because I think there's only one upgrade in this one that you're really using. Uh, <laughs> that's never a good sign. Uh, let me just open okay. it up. <laughs> I, I think that upgrade is the, the sniper, the E5S. The sniper's very good. Um, uh, no, I think there are two in here. I think both heavy weapons are excellent. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine who's really interested in running the poison cannon because he's tired of losing to Sabine. Well, and that's so sort of like this isn't bad. Yeah, and actually, that's the situation where the rad gun is really quite good. Like range two is really short, but as a defensive weapon, like if you take one of them, you know, poison damage is amazing against things that are pierce immune or pierce resistant or and or have good saves. You know, Sabine, Luke. Palpatine, stuff like that. Yeah. Anything with lightsaber. Anything with, yeah. Um, also Tauntauns. So, and it's two red, which is very solid dice pool. 
It is the most expensive heavy weapon. What is it? Twenty-two. Oh man! Uh, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, for B one heavy. That's expensive. Um, I could see taking one of these as like a defensive linebacker type unit. Um, yeah, it's like your your B one fleet trooper yeah. kind of variant. Sort except of. they're cheaper than fleets by a lot. Yeah, except they're much cheaper than fleets and can actually get wounds past a Pierce immune red with surge character you know without having to actually attack them if they get the poison token on yeah now it's you know obviously yeah. important that the poison token is a delayed result um yeah but still it's free damage if, if you can it goes through stems yeah, it's it does so this is not quite the same as bosk's dioxys you do actually have to wound your target to land a poison token you don't just get it for free for shooting them oh um but still, it's got two reds. You're backing it up with a bunch of whites. So, basically, if they fail one save against you, they've actually failed two. Yeah, basically, that's a good way to look at it. Which is pretty good if you're, you know, Sabine with yeah. five wounds. Um, I definitely wouldn't spam it, but I could see taking one off. Yeah. What do you guys think of the? When I talk about the, yeah, talk about the sniper. Um, I don't know. I played a couple games with like. A full six snipers. I I mean, I think they're they're fine. Yeah, I don't think this is an auto take over the E five C, like some people seem to think. Uh, I don't know. Um, the critical is pretty important. The critical is great if you have a full dice pool. Yes, it is. Hot garbage if you're just firing yeah. a red and a white. So if you're either chip shotting with this at range four, or you've got like a depleted unit, uh, it's the critical is not great. Yeah. Um, so the advantages this thing has over the E5C is obviously you can shoot at range four, which is usually just going to be a suppression. Still important. Um, yeah. The E5C obviously can't shoot at range four, um, and it has critical on a big pool. So if you have your entire dice pool, it's going to be a little better statistically i i gotta say i messed up my b1 chain in my last game and i ended up having to take a bunch of range four pot shots with this thing it felt real bad yeah if your chain gets broken up and you get ai attack uh it's actually kind of a liability to have a range four weapon yeah it wasn't wasn't great but it was completely on my end like i just made yeah. a mistake um in where i had placed my uplink um but it's a reality that you have to live with sometimes. It is, and I think this weapon is definitely a liability in that department. Um, it's, um, I think the... Well, I was going to just com- comparing it to the E5C still. Um, it's better when you're rolling the full pool statistically, but as soon as you start losing B1s, at least at range 3, the E5C is considerably better because it has a better base dice, and Critical 1 kind of needs like just dice quantity to proc those surges. Um, and then it also is not quite as good with aim tokens as the E5C because you're you're much more likely with the E5C to be able to reroll um, a black dice, at least one black dice. Yep. Whereas with this, your red dice is probably going to hit, which means you're rerolling white dice, which is not which is not as good. Uh, also, if you've got surge tokens on your B1s, the E5C is going to be better because the chances of rolling two surges on... You know, seven to eight dice is not great. Um, I mean, it's somewhat likely, but it's definitely not guaranteed. 
So you could be wasting either that surge token or that critical. So you're getting more bang for your buck if you're giving surge tokens to your B1s with the E5C. Yes, I mean, this is definitely like an objective grabber unit if you wanted to keep it, you know, influencing the front line because you got your range four going. And you don't necessarily need to give it the aggressive tactic surge because you got critical one. So you're better off giving the aggressive tactic surges to the units closer to your opponent because they're going to be using it either to defend because they're getting shot at or, of course, they have the A5C, like you said. Yeah, I think it's fine. I don't know that it's an automatic six of. I think you could run it six of if you wanted to, but um, I think it's like a good side grade from the E5C. Yeah, it gives you some flexibility where you otherwise don't have it. Yep. All right, let's talk about clones, because all four of these, I think, are reasonably interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't want to talk about the personnel expansions? Uh, personnel <laughs> upgrades for the B1? I think the, I think the OM, what's that, the one that gives you range 1 to 2 coordinate? Um, I think it's fine. I mean, I think essentially both of these guys are, like, mistake mitigators, in my opinion. Yeah, that's one of those get. It's one of those just get good kind of cards. Sort of like I, I could pay points or I could just play better. Well, <laughs> so I'm just gonna play better. The reason I call it a mistake mitigator is because like everybody makes mistakes and you're gonna make them. And if you have these dudes, it's, it's true, better when that true. happens. Um, but yeah, I, you know, ideally you just save the points and you don't mess up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then let's let's get real. This is the quest to become an unstoppable Legion Terminator. And uh, if you can't put your units in the right spot, um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Well, and sometimes... Says the guy that lost two snipers to Bosk <laughs> at LVO. <laughs> well, that's why you lost that game. Exactly. Because I, I, I done goofed. Um, I will say, I I will say that the one that, the one that... What's the security droid? Removes AI attack. Potentially good against Tauntauns with jammers. Or at least less yeah. bad against Tauntauns with jammers. I'm going to go with less bad. <laughs> Because you can at least get out, get away from yeah. them before they charge you again. All right, let's talk about clones. Yeah, one of you guys want to hit this? You guys are the clone players. Uh, DP twenty three shotgun, amazing. <laughs> uh, glad to have a clone heavy with Pierce. Loving it. Um, super good with take that clankers. Yeah, range three shotguns with take that clankers. Um basically why I'm so in love with it because it makes Rex's scouting party alpha strike really, really threatening. If you can get to range three early, like I'm imagining this on battle lines or disarray and just like scouting up and finding a really good target in my opponent's army and then putting through, you know, the fire support Z six and the DP 23 and just kind of wailing on someone with this and like saying, okay, well, if you even if you roll the save, I'm going to pierce you anyway. So it's just, it's just weight of dice plus pierce is going to be a lot of wounds on something. And that's generally a good, a good thing to uh, remove your opponent's units. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to, to this, to this gun in particular, I'm especially looking forward to it with the captain who's going to add the training slot. So I can run offensive push. Yo, Offensive push, that training slot is relegated to Overwatch. Uh, possible too. Definitely possible. Overwatch, crazy good, of course, with the standby chaining. Yeah, man. Silly good. Yeah. Let me let me just uh let me just you know double tap or more real quick. 
<laughs> prevent you from entering this area of the board. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How do you guys feel about the rocket launcher that's in this pack? It's it it's not. It doesn't exhaust. Which I'm torn. Is interesting. Um, well, well, you can use it with the standbys, which is cool. Right. I think it's actually pretty good on whatever unit you're standbying, um, because they're not like the cumbersome doesn't come into play. Uh, outside of that, though, I'm not sure I'm taking more than one of yeah. these. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, Sorry, I think it's ahead. a fine one of as like a hedge. Sure. Yeah, I don't think you're taking more than one. Because what's good clone impact right now? Like, not much. There just isn't. Um, there's the DC fifteen, and then there's Obi Wan. Well, the DC fifteen's got. Cool I know it's not even, but I'm like, what you what could you do? And. I guess the question is though, like, do you even really care that much about vehicles? Because there aren't any vehicles that have Pierce. Like, are there any vehicles that are really dangerous to you as a clone player? Um, I mean, I think the answer is a saber take with a beam turret. Yeah. Uh, AAT because I can't share dodge. But if you have a if you have a rocket launcher, is that going to change? Is that going to like alter your ability to actually kill a saber? I think so. Yeah, with weak point, yeah. Maybe with weak point, yeah. Big weak point. I mean, Kenobi is still your best source of impact um, in the faction, for sure. Yeah, like, how do clones actually kill, like, double AAT? Well, they probably don't. They kill all the droids and then win on objectives, right? Yeah, that's the hope. Um... But yeah, no, I mean, like, I think it's a fine one of, especially on like the dedicated standby unit with Overwatch. I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't hate it either. But I don't think it's the best the pack has to offer. I think the captain is probably the best the pack has to offer. Uh, yeah. I mean, should talk about the specialist real quick? The specialist is super excellent with take that clinkers. Yes. Free stuff. Uh, anything that gives you free stuff on a clone body is far, far, far more preferable than taking the personnel upgrade that is the just the extra body. Well, and specifically with like, Tank That Clankers, it, it's a free aim on the unit itself, which is the trigger that you need. Right. Other than having itself take the aim. So it could actually move and then specialist in TC. Or yeah. take that clankers, which is also crazy good. Um, it's also notable that with the clone captain, uh, this is kind of the probably best way to mitigate suppression in a clone army is to just tap your clone captain and pretend like it's not there. (laughs) The clapton. The clapton. I'm digging it. The clapton. Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Captain Clapton. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh. Is this show winding down or what? <laughs> I think so. Let's yep. wrap it up. All right, you guys got any? You guys got any final thoughts? Uh, watch the FFG live stream if, if you haven't, because there might be some stuff on it that's new. I think. I think they've explicitly said that there will be, right? Oh, have they? I did not know that. Make sure when people set up double heavies across the table from you, you're taking Rebel DLTs. Okay. Every time. 
watch the crit waterfall roll. You'll 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 roll like Luke Cook. Uh, all right. <laughs> There's an alternate universe where rebels are actually the broken faction. I think I think I don't think that's an alternate universe. <laughs> I think they're still the best faction. Um, I'm not prepared to take the units that require you to realize that. Prime, Actually, but... prime results. <laughs> Sorry, prime results disagree. Well, Empire is still the most played faction. True. Also, I think this is a total tangent. Well, we're not going to get into it. Um... <laughs> if I had a quarter. <laughs> For every time Kyle was like, "We're going to talk about that later," or "We're not going to get into it," I would be a very and then we don't. It, it was it was it was going to be another Tauntaun Shore Trooper tangent, and we've already talked that subject into the ground. So, um, anyway, let's let's uh, let's close this out. <laughs> uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. We are the notorious scoundrels. We'll see you next week. Stay fresh, cheese bags. There's a tiny bit of life left in that horse. I'm sorry, Jay, I murdered your tank. Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. <laughs>